What can you do to become a better teacher? Here's an encore interview between Francis Kong and Jennifer Zhang, who spoke at the Imagine Talks Symposium. Jennifer Zhang is the owner of Zhang Violin Studio, located in Palo Alto. She began her private violin studies at age five and was the youngest member of the Strolling Strings, a performance group by the age of six. Jennifer has had extensive performing experiences in orchestras, beginning her orchestral training at the age of seven, being the youngest member of the Contra Costa Chamber Orchestra. Now, here's Jennifer Sang with Relearning How to Teach. Jen, how are you doing? I am doing very well, Francis. Thank you for asking. How are you? I'm doing well, and it's so wonderful to see you again, even if it's virtually. And you have, you're a Imagine Talks alumni, actually. Like, I believe the last time we had you on our stage was, I believe, 2017, where you gave one of my favorite talks of all times, and I, and I still go back and watch and share that talk, like, even to this very day. And I wondered if you mind giving a brief introduction to yourself and just a little uh, review of what you shared in your Imagine Talks in 2017 with us. Sure. So um, I'm Jennifer and I teach violin in Palo Alto. I've been working on a, a methodology for how to teach violin for the last 11 years now. And let's say in 2017, when I did my Imagine Talks, I came out for the first time and talked about sexual trauma that I had dealt with at a young age and how I overcame that through uh, teaching. And uh, I talked a little bit about my teaching methodology and what I was working on. And fast forward, here we are four years later. <laughs> wow, all right, yeah. And I'm gonna see if we can have a link uh, somewhere here for people to go and watch that talk. It really is one of the most, uh, I think, inspiring and, and moving talks uh, I've ever been involved with. So again, thank you for sharing that. So since then, in 2017, now it's 2021, what have you been exploring since then? Um, well, I have been uh, continuing on with methodology, doing a lot of research into um, body anatomy, um, more so, um, even more into the brain. I've talked about the senses and such in 2017, um, the physics of how sound is produced, just a, a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff. Uh, I've done some music camps. I did a music camp for cooking and music where it was called Nam Nam Music, where the kids came and they played orchestral pieces, they did chamber music, and then they learned how to cook as well and learned about different ingredients and how to eat healthy and all that jazz. That was really, really fun. Uh, I also started heading the after, uh, after school strings program with the Saratoga Unified School District where I'm teaching like 64th and fifth graders. <laughs> it's like a huge like, like violin, viola, cello, bass uh, uh, before COVID happened. But the, yeah, it's just been very, very exciting and very, very fast. I feel like, like 2017 and now 2021, like just passed like that. It's just been a lot of teaching and learning. Wow, okay, great. So now 
teaching and learning has always been, at least from me following parts of your career, teaching and learning has always been such a integral and almost like very focal point of your philosophy, your, your mission. What would you say is one of your core philosophies in terms of what teaching is and what learning is and how they're actually truly connected with each other in your discovery of, of this art form and science? Uh, okay, wow, that's a long question. Well, I think one of my, um, one of my main philosophies that I realized this year um, is that, you know, I asked myself in 2010, what is the first step to teaching violin? Mm -hmm. And that question alone has led me down this journey and this path of all this learning and really, really cool, exciting stuff. But I, I learned this year that I think one of my main philosophies is as a teacher, um, first and foremost, you need to connect with the student on a personal level. And um, of course, in order to do that, you also have to be connected with yourself. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. one of my main. Um, secondly, it would be, you know, my we've talked a lot throughout this year, Francis, and my main philosophy with how I approach teaching is understanding the how, like how yeah. to do something. So um, that, like with teaching violin, for instance, like an instrument that many think is impossibly difficult to learn and you're going to sound terrible for X amount of years, right? Um, but my approach is understanding um, our bodies, okay, mm -hmm. like body anatomy, understanding your brain, how it works, understanding how your brain connects to your body, mm -hmm. uh, I, understanding energy use and time perception. Uh, I often tell my students it's kind of like a Ironman, like, I'm like, hey, you're Tony Stark, and Jarvis is your brain, and your body is your Iron Man suit, right? You want to have a general understanding of them, so therefore, they can work together as a team, and therefore, help you actually learn how to play and not sound like crap. Is that a bad word? Like, and sound bad for um, X amount of years. Okay. So, oh, another thing I've been doing is I've been learning left-hand violin. So I've been learning how to teach myself violin backwards, which is very exciting. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so with the left hand violin, it sounds like you're almost exploring and experimenting on the whole process of learning. So let me, let me backtrack a little bit here because you brought something up, some very interesting topics. Before, it seems like before you even teach something, a skill set to a student, what you actually do is go back several steps further and say, do you understand how your body and your mind actually work together in the first place? Like Jarvis and Iron Man suit, right? That analogy. So what exactly do you think is missing in many of our students today in terms of understanding how they are supposed to learn in the first place? Mm -hmm. Well, if I were to be specific as to the violin, sure. um, it straight to what to do without teaching the how or understanding how to do something like okay for a violin for instance when you get into a position right mm -hmm. and you're teaching how to get into position is so if you're not teaching them to understand all oh, the different parts of their arm right. or even like hand, mm -hmm. yeah, the different parts of their hand, like web spaces um, your joints which allow us to move right and how many joints that they have and different rotations 
then they're not going to be able to utilize their arm to the fullest potential. Mm. And when you're learning the violin, you have to, this is why a lot of people don't sound very good in the beginning. Mm. It just makes, you know, five years ago, I would think like, why, why, why are we learning all this? It just makes sense that if you're learning, if you're teaching how to play the violin, you should have, you should understand all the parts of your arm or how many joints that you have, your brain and where in your brain connects to your arms or to even like how your ears work. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I've just seen like throughout, especially even this year, teaching virtually, understanding of these things actually fixes so many issues, I think, that many bump into when they're learning. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's like you want to, we take our bodies for granted. You know, even if you think about, um, I often see other teachers telling students, hey, you have to concentrate, okay? Can you make sure you focus? I mean, okay, as an adult and like living in the social age that we are with social media and like digital, like this, the digital age, um, I believe as adults, we even have trouble focusing. So it's right. like, how are you going to tell uh, a six-year-old, can you please focus and concentrate? It's like, well, how? Like, how do you focus? How do you concentrate? Yeah. Teach them like, or how they could even, <laughs> Machi is licking his bowl. Uh, back to what I was saying, um, my dog is licking his breakfast bowl. So um, teaching them how to do things like, I mean, if you want to tell a student to read, right? Wait. You can go ahead and take care of Mashi and I can pause this. This moment. So, so you were saying about um, understanding how to learn like basically like for example trying to know how to focus right so when yeah. someone tells you to focus but we don't even necessarily understand what that means or how to do that in the first place yeah exactly so if it comes to learning and like um children in school you know telling them to concentrate or teaching them how to read or we just take like these things like our senses for granted i think instead of like hey if you're going to teach a student how to read maybe you teach them a little bit about their eyes like very simple, basic, like, hey, you have two lens per eye, you know, process back here, you know, occipital lobe, you know, send energy that way. Or again, back to the whole how to um, concentrate that takes like, I think like meditation, like kids meditation and training. It's not something that we're just born with knowing, you know? So mm. I think that um, with violin, it's, you know, you're basically put into a position where it looks like, okay, without understanding anything internally. And like maybe things not even connecting just because you look like it's okay on the outside, everything inside can be wrong. Like, mm-hmm. you know, sure, I can, I can get on a snowboard and like make a pose and look like I know what I'm doing, but you put me down a mountain and it might not be so great. <laughs> so let me ask you, why, why don't we actually have more programs in place? We have programs in place, obviously, on how to teach things, but why don't we have programs in place you think as a society on how to first understand the process of learning even as a child like this is how you focus this is how you this is how your eyes operate this is how you um work in terms of your bodies and your muscles like why is not understanding your equipment in the first place something that is actually in the very foundation of our our curriculum i think that it's just well the curriculum 
thing about school and how school is run, I think that's very antiquated. Mm-hmm. I think people just don't know or don't think of these things. And I think that mm-hmm. we are coming a time period where more, pe- more and more people are thinking like this, like, you know, Jim Quick and the whole, like, the how mm-hmm. to learn how to speak, right. how to memorize how to use your brain like when i discovered his book this year i was like oh my god this is awesome right uh i think that we're coming at a time where people are actually thinking about these things and because we are so connected um through um the web that it's great because people can exchange information and uh i believe like this is going to be a new um a new start to um, more of understanding ourselves and our brains and therefore like learning and growing more and um, progressing as a race and hopefully um, leading to more happy, I guess, mm-hmm. fulfilled people, right. I guess, from, through the learning. And I, uh, yeah, I, I do believe this is, we're on like this brink of this like movement towards that direction. Cause um, you know, if you think about really back in the day with school, um, kids mm-hmm. used to actually sit in adult-sized chairs, like, and then they would be teeter-tottering, and until somebody, what was it, the Montessori, until somebody came along and decided, hey, why don't we make kid-sized chairs, right? And like now, you think about it, and you're like, well, duh, that way they can actually focus a little bit better because they're sitting comfortably, right, rather than mm-hmm. balancing on a chair and then trying to learn stuff. But before someone had that idea of, hey, why don't we make smaller chairs, <laughs> Nobody would have thought of that. And I believe like now with the whole like more of like, you know, mental health, self this and like meditation and learning about ourselves, people like Jim Quick, um, that we will go in that direction. Okay. <laughs> so then let me ask you this. What is something that you've seen like some of the, some of the I guess, results that you see, especially now since you're a teacher now, to students who are not properly taught how to learn in the first place and are put in a situation where they need to be taught something what do you see emotionally and mentally and spiritually going on and happening to a child when they're hitting those kinds of blocks because the basic tools are not in place what do you see happening to them in terms of their self value and confidence well what happens is then obviously i think it goes down um they think that they're not good enough or then they just think that, you know, they, I've gotten several students before that's like, well, I just suck. I'm not good at it or this. And I'm like, no, it's not that you suck. It's just, we haven't figured out a method, mm-hmm. you know, that works. that's all, you know? And then I think that it doesn't matter what they're doing, learning violin or struggling in school, whatever. What I think when, um, especially younger children bump into right. struggle, things it really really has like a profound uh, impact on how they their lens and how they see themselves and their capabilities um throughout life you know so um i think it's even more so important that you know they that we find a method i guess Mm -hmm. that allows people to learn and grow and to feel good about themselves Mm -hmm. yeah so it sounds like one of the the importance of this, at least what I'm getting from Mary, and then I couldn't agree with you more, is that why it's so important, the whole teaching process right now is flawed because we, we actually, there's a three, I see the three-part connection, what you're saying here is learning how to, or teaching person how to learn in the first place. And then once that in place, then teach them the skill you want to, 
And then from there, that connects to actual confidence and yes. self-value, right? And, and but what we do is we just basically focus straight on into the second part. We just teach a skill. And what I'm hearing is that the danger of that is that the foundation's not there. And yeah. if the foundation's not there, that, that results in, you're, you're gonna have an outcome one way or another. It's just that you're gonna have a bad outcome now, which means that there is no self-value. There is no confidence. There is no um, sense of, of, of achievement now. And that, if it happens, especially early on, no matter what it is, be it science or math or, or music, that affects a child and therefore eventually the adult's sense of, of value in society. Yeah, completely. I completely agree. That's exactly on the points. And I mean, just teaching a skill, it's like, again, how to teach is to teach how to, right, to do something. And I, like, I, I have to say, I, as a violin teacher, again, if you don't understand your arm anatomy, your body, it doesn't even matter. It's not just with violin. It's like with anything that you do, because we use our bodies every day. You don't have a general understanding of like even how to breathe, where your lungs are. This, I just, uh, yeah, I, it seems like why isn't this taught in school, right? Right, but, right exactly. It's something that will be taught, like, and, you know, methodology is important, right, with teaching. And I believe that methodology should teach the how to, just mm -hmm. because, I mean, you know, this year since, you know, we've been in quarantine, I've been doing a lot of meditation, which has been awesome, has had, had such a positive impact on my life for such, for such little, like, what, 20 minutes a day? 20 minutes a day and like the overall effect that it has, it's like the benefits of it. It's like this much effort and then this much benefit, which is like awesome. Um, when I think about, uh, like I've taken uh, one of Jim Quick's class, the mm -hmm. memory master class, and you know, he has you memorizing things like 40 words out of order, you mm -hmm. know, 20 more. Right, right. Would I do that before his class? No, but with simple, very, very to the point methodology that he does and his methods, it's like, boom, I have my six-year-olds memorizing 20 words out of order. So see, people are capable of amazing things if they have like the, I don't like using this word, but like the right methodology. <laughs> yeah, so. No, that makes sense to me. And, and I can relate because even at age of, I can remember when I was in first grade and I was thrown into lessons. First and second grade, I was thrown into lessons. Um, and I really didn't understand, my mom and dad really didn't speak English at home. So I had to learn English pretty much, you know, on my own and with, with whatever social connections I had. And trust me, there were very far and few social connections that I had as a Chinese boy uh, in Mississippi growing up. And so a lot of the instructions I got in first and second grade were very confusing to me. Um, mm -hmm. and, and of course, I got punished for not following instructions. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't understand them, right? And so yeah. my value that I perceived for myself during those early years were at all-time low. I can look back at it now and understand that wasn't my fault, but you don't really have those tools and that perception when you're six and seven. Oh, I could, yeah, I could relate to that. I definitely can relate to that. It's then you end up feeling it's like you're just not good enough, which is not a good feeling. Cause I remember getting, uh, now I, I remember getting yelled at a lot with uh, studying the violin uh, when it got to fairly difficult technique. Now, mm -hmm. uh, 
do think that all my teachers are awesome teachers when it comes to like freezing, maybe connecting with them on a personal level. Right. But when it comes to technique, again, if you're not connected to your body and you don't really understand the anatomy of your hands, the it's like, or energy, these minute nuances with energy use, um, there are certain things that doesn't matter how many hours you practice, you're not gonna get it. And what happens is like you work on it and then you see other kids that are have more innate talent getting yeah. it, you don't get it. And then, well, when I say you, I'm talking about myself. And then like, I'm getting yelled at, like, oh, this is like, go, you didn't practice more, you're not getting it. And it's just like, maybe I just suck. Like, I'm not meant to like do this. You know, like, I don't know how to play this 10th in tune when I'm very stressed out. <laughs> like, you know, I, uh, I, yeah, I think that uh, the role as a teacher is really important to that. This is, this is completely like kind of off topic, Francis, but I think the role of the, te the teachers like, or like a philosophy or a mentality is to constantly be learning and trying to find another way. Because I really- oh, I love that understand your craft you can teach it to anybody and if you are having difficulty teaching it to somebody it's because you just don't understand it enough and I've always been um, I've always felt that way like when I had like 56 students you know 30 of them are playing while they're getting it and like other like 26 are still struggling I'm like there's something wrong with the teacher well maybe not wrong but I still need to grow I still have more to learn you know, and what's great is the more and more I research to, um, or I learn trying to help my students, I, it's like, it's like this like exponential like cycling effect where I'm like, oh my gosh, I never thought about it this way. And then I become better. And then everyone else in my studio gets better. And then we all feel better about our playing. And it's like, oh my gosh, who would have thought this worked? Like, are we crazy? This is like nuts, you know? But uh, I have to say roles of teachers, it's, I, I do think that is to be supportive and to be um, to communicate, especially if you're teaching something difficult like the violin, that if a student is struggling in your class, that you need to find another way, like search for another way, you know? Yeah. So I, I thought when teachers chalk it up to, well, this student is not working or, or like they're, they're just not meant to play. I, everyone's meant to play. There's music in all of us, you know? Uh, it's just because you don't know your craft enough. But I, you know, learning and teaching, it's always progressing, you know? And like, it doesn't matter like what I, eventually when I come out with my books, methodology on violent methodology and um, with my, my teaching ways, I guess, with the body anatomy and like understanding the brain, this is only a stepping stone. I always tell my students like later on, like, you know, who knows, I hope one of them takes this and goes further and learns even more, you know, it's never ending, right? And I think that that's, but sometimes I believe that being a teacher or maybe from my own experiences with adults, even though I'm an adult today, is this idea of knowing everything, of always being right. And then that's dangerous because, you know, they, if you stop learning and stop growing, or if you think you know everything, you're actually not kind of just staying in one spot. People think that it's like, fine, like, you know, I'm not learning anything I'm saying here. You're actually, because everything's progressing, right? Time's always moving. You're actually going backwards, digressing, right? So, yeah. And plus, I, I see myself and all my students that struggle, because I know what it feels like to struggle. And like everything I teach them is what I hope or what I wish somebody would have taught me or would have told me that, hey, it's okay. 
I want to find another way to figure out to like help you with this, you know, and then I wouldn't feel so like, you know, that feeling of just not being good enough, which yeah, you also know. Absolutely. So going forward and what we've learned here from 2020 into, well, our, our next, our next few years coming out of that, what is some final advice you would give to both students and teachers in order to create a more holistic, healthy, uh, more confident and self-valued community based on everything in your philosophy of learning and teaching as both as, because it sounds like that you're, you're saying, and I love that, that teachers are also always students themselves as well too, which I love. So what, what piece of advice do you give students and teachers going forward to create a healthier and more spiritually sound and, and, and self-confident community? Uh, well, I think that that's a very easy answer and very simple answer. And it's uh, just to meditate and to be connected with um, yourself, um, to remember to breathe, uh, you know, um, do things that you love, uh, learn something new. Because uh, I think that all these things holistically, when you are learning new things and you're doing things that you love, and then you are um, taking daily time to meditate and be connected with yourself, ultimately that equals a happier you. And a happier you equals a happier everyone. So uh, I think that that would be it. I mean, I'm trying to get my students to meditate and they're like, really, Teacher Jen? I'm like, yes, one minute, just one minute, you know, get them started. And it's, uh, it's so important to just take time out for yourself, you know, and to, uh, yeah, to get some headspace. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Thank you always for giving such an amazing advice, uh, not just as a, a teacher, but also as a fellow student yourself. Uh, I hope to be able to see you in person again in 2021 and 2022, all the years coming. And thank you again for all the wonderful work you do with our youth in the community. And you take care and I'll hopefully see you again soon, okay? All right, thank you so much for having me, Francis. Always, likewise. And oh, before we depart, there is something that you're gonna share with us in terms of a performance, I believe. Yes, I will be playing uh, two pieces and um, you want me to talk a little bit about them? Sure, yes. Tell us a bit about these pieces. So I'll be playing, uh, well, okay. Rewinds, 2017, I played um, some Lindsay Sterling pieces mm -hmm. after my talk uh, with a little bit of improv in there. And this year I have been doing a ton of improv and learning uh, and listening to all genres of music, learning kind of like my own style of playing. Um, so I guess you can say it's kind of like composing, but right. instead, of, instead of composing, I'm actually uh, playing and improvising and then coming out with music that way. It's like a reverse kind of composition, but uh, I'll be playing to two pieces. One uh, is one that was hugely, uh, had a huge impact on me this year. It's, um, it's actually a single by Chloe Flower. She mm. is a American pianist. She performed with a... Uh, Cardi B at the Grammys, she's freaking awesome. I'll be playing with one of her um, singles, No Limit. 
And yeah, that was my first improv that I did where I have transcribed to music. So near and dear to me, I did it in one take and it was just awesome. And then, you know, Sony, actually Sony Master, uh, Sony Works, they reached out to me to do an improv with her single. So I'm so thankful for like Instagram that we can all reach each other because if they didn't reach out to me, I probably would have heard about her piece much later. Yeah. So I'll be doing that, and then um, I'll be playing to also a hip-hop style beat, which is not typically my thing. I don't listen to a lot of hip-hop music, but uh, I'll be playing with a beat uh, called 16 from mm-hmm. Mike which he is also an Asian-American um, hip-hop uh, beat artist. Wow, and I love that. I can't yeah. wait to hear those. And, but uh, that one will just be the one is one is transcribed, my improv that I composed for Chloe Flower, and then the one that I'm going to be playing with um, Kato's track is just going to be, I'll just be improvising. I can't wait to hear those. And, and I love, and you, you're living exactly what you preach, which is you have to constantly evolve yourself and, and move forward with time. Uh, otherwise, if you just stay with what you do and what you know, uh, time moves past you and you actually go backwards, right? <laughs> So yeah, this is this is something that I can't wait to see. I can't wait to hear your new style um, and compare it to the, what you did in 2017 and just see how you've evolved and grown yourself into your new form. So that's sort of exciting. So uh, yeah, I can't wait to see and hear this. Awesome. Well, I can't wait to play. All right. You take care. I'll talk to you again soon. Bye, Jen. Bye.
Thanks for joining us. Now, if you'd like to learn more about Imagine Talks, go to our website at imaginetalks.org. Edge Interns and Mental Power Hacks supports this podcast. Edge Interns sources the best interns to the best companies. Learn more at E-D-G-E. That's edgeinterns.com. Mental Power Hacks is where you'll get life hacks to boost your mental performance, productivity, and success. Connect at mentalpowerhacks.com. Subscribe to us and get the latest episodes of the Imagine Talks podcast, Achieving Success, Social Impact, and Overcoming Obstacles. See you next episode.